And we have guests with us from Restorative Partners. They're going to share a little bit in a few minutes, but uh, there's also an opportunity to partner. We'll, we'll share a little bit more about that in the next few minutes. With that, Joanna, can you give me the first slide? We've been in a season in a series called Just Stepping Up or Just Step Up. And Pastor Jeff shared some messages while I was in Cambodia and the Philippines. Jan and I were just about the importance of stepping up in our faith. And this morning, we just want to talk about that stepping up principle again and taking our faith to the next level. And our, our, our faith that's expressed, our faith that's demonstrated, not just the internal belief system that we've developed through walking with the Lord, but beyond that, an act of faith that makes a difference. Amen? So we're going to dig into that a little bit today, kind of in the context of Pentecost. And uh, just this is a prayer from Psalm 104, Lord, send out your spirit and renew the face of the earth. Guess what? When he sends out his spirit, who's that spirit in? Us. He pours it out upon us, but the Holy Spirit's in us as we've been changed and empowered and strengthened and growing in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. We get to change the face of the earth and renew the face of the earth. Amen? And it's exciting to be a part of that. It's just not work. It's an adventure. It's an invitation for you and me to stay filled that we might make a difference on this earth. And it's fun when we get involved and do that. Amen? So we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning, and I want to start with Jesus' story, because that's probably a good place to start, amen? And so uh, for about 400 years from the end of the Old Testament to the New, prophets, church leaders, Pharisees, those that would know, study those things, they would say that God had been pretty much silent. There'd been no significant prophetic ministries coming through Israel for 400 years, it, it had grown kind of silent to the place that they were uh, living off, you know, the Old Testament revelations and the, the generals that God had birthed and that they were experienced and exposed to, the prophets Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah. They, they had those writings with them. And they were living off of those things with the anticipation that a Messiah was coming, that a Savior was coming. About 63 BC is when Roman occupation really strengthened in Jerusalem. It was overthrown. And because of that, you know, the Caesar worship, this idea that the Caesars, the Roman governors, emperors were God, that was being infiltrated into Jewish culture. And now there's worshiping the emperor as well as trying to be true to worshiping the one true God. Herod, he didn't just expand and he, he, he was on these expansion, building campaigns all over the Roman Empire. But guess who paid for that expansion? The people. The, the, they were taxed heavily and drained of their resources. Even their crops, their farm uh, produce would be taken back mainly to Rome to feed the Roman citizens. And so these guys were coming under this captive order and Herod expanded the temple in Jerusalem to be more grandiose and Hellenistic Roman style, but he also imposed a sacrifice that the priests would give on behalf of Rome and the emperor. Additionally, Herod had whole cities named to give reverence to Caesar, as well as imperial temples and fortresses to reinforce Roman control. The great building campaigns were not possible without taxing the peoples of Galilee, Samaria, and Judea greatly, leaving the majority in poverty. Not only were they required to pay taxes to the empire, but they were continued to function as a temple state and were also required to pay tithes and sacrifices of the Jewish religion. 
So the Romans had this figured out. If we can keep the local people pacified, still let them have their religious system, their religious rulers and leaders, but still pledge allegiance to Rome and give to Rome. If we can keep those two things going on, we can keep the people kind of at peace and they'll still supply as we control them. Well, there was a growing just dissatisfaction with that. The Jewish leaders were looking for a Messiah that would change Everything would change the political system, would change this Jewish temple state emperor rule. After decades of multiple demands from multiple layers of rulers, many villagers fell increasingly into debt and were faced with the loss of family inheritance and of the land. The impoverished of the families led to the disintegration of village communities, the fundamental social form of such an agrarian society. These are precisely the deteriorating conditions that Jesus addresses in the Gospels of impoverishment, hunger, and debt. So this is the background when Jesus shows up. This is the background when some were expecting a Messiah to turn the political system around. And so Jesus, first John the Baptist shows up. There'd been no prophetic messages for years. John the Baptist shows up. And this is Luke's uh, uh, declaration about him. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to be a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. Read the yellow with me. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. They're looking for a political Messiah, but there's a different Messiah coming, and he's coming with fire. And he's coming with strength and anointing, wisdom from God, resources from heaven. He's coming to set up a different kingdom. Amen? And so Jesus steps on the stage and meets John the Baptist, who's his cousin. And now they're both grown up and and moving into the directions that God has for them and their ministries and their anointing. And Jesus comes to be baptized. And not because of sin in his life. He comes to, to be baptized in the fulfillment of what happens to a high priest about 30 years old. According to the law, at 30 years old is when a high priest was anointed and set aside for his his priestly ministry. Jesus didn't come as a sinner. He came for an anointing of the Holy Spirit to be poured out in his life to fulfill his mission. So we know if we read the Gospels that Jesus is baptized, and when he's baptized, the Holy Spirit comes on him, and that changes everything. He he comes as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit that you and me can fulfill and do the same things he did because we're empowered by the same Spirit. Does anybody believe that in here? So he came in as an example for you and me. Not only for you and me, we get baptized for the remission of sins, but this baptism of fire that gets in our lives to empower us to do the works that he left us to do. Does anybody believe that in here? And so scripture said in Luke 4, then Jesus returned to Galilee, what, read the yellow, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And reports about him spread quickly through the whole region, and he taught regularly in their synagogues, and he was praised by everyone. But this is the part I like. This is kind of the defining moment. When he announces what his ministry's about, his life's about, his commission's about, which passes down to you and me as his body, as his ambassadors, as his representatives, he shows up in the synagogue in Nazareth. And it says in scripture, like he, he often did then as he's moving in and becoming connected in the community, he stands up and they hand him the scroll out of Isaiah and he picks it up. Luke's gospel recounts it. In the scroll of Isaiah, the prophet was handed to him and he unrolled the scroll and he found the place where this was written. He said, the spirit of the Lord's upon me. For he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. 
And to the people that have been in this system of paying taxes and under bondage, that's good news. Jesus said out of Isaiah, he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And he sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. Aren't you glad for that? The blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and the time of the Lord's favor has come. And he rolled up the scroll and handed it back to the attendant and sat down. Now, how many are familiar with a mic drop? Now it's culturally. They make a statement, they sing a song, they pour out their heart, they take the microphone, they drop it, and it says, amen. This was Jesus' mic drop right here. He rolled the scroll back up and he handed it back to him and said this, the scripture you just heard has been fulfilled this very day. This is what I'm about. This is what my calling's about. This is why I've been saying, you've been oppressed. You've been under this other system. You're concerned about provision in your life. You're concerned about how you're going to get through. Worry is overtaking your life because of the system that's been imposed on you. I came with good news, he says. I came to connect you back to the Father who's, who's abundantly supplied. He, he's the owner of a thousand hills and the cattle on a thousand hills and the heaven and the earth. They all belong to him. And I've came to bring you another kingdom. And he said, today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Then we go a little bit farther. We come to Luke 6. And when the disciples came down from the mountain, so now Jesus is demonstrating and he's training. He came down from the mountain. The disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. And there were people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem from as far north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. Verse 18, they'd come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because his healing power went out from him. And what's the last line say? He healed everyone. He healed everyone. And not everybody has physical infirmities. Amen? M many of us have just internal stuff that plagues us. Things about our past. Things about what's happened to us growing up. Those things that hurt sometimes worse than a physical ailment. Maybe not everybody's lame, but a lot of people limp still because of past things that have happened. Hurt that's come into their life. Some of us self-induced addictions. Stuff we got involved with that have bound us. Jesus said, I came to priest release to the captives. In other words, you don't have to be addicted anymore. You don't have to let stuff control your life that's not healthy and not helpful and not leading to your growth and to your future. Jesus came and he healed everyone because there was power coming out of him. Guess what, church? That same power that was coming out of him, he put in his disciples at Pentecost. Let me ask you, what's coming out of you? Is that power coming out of you? Is that anointing coming out of you? Like it should be coming out of me? He, he came and he healed everyone because they wanted to connect with his power. I don't know about you. We need to turn it up in here. We need more of his power in this place, amen, and in our lives. And it's available. And we're reminded on Pentecost Sunday that he, he put a flame on every head and in every heart for you and me, amen? I like it that he healed everyone. And the good news is it doesn't matter what you're going through. He can heal you. It doesn't matter how bad you've been hurt or what you're facing this morning or if it's a stage four or stage three or stage 20, whatever it is, Jesus can heal you. And he, he can heal your heart. It's been broken, discouraged. You've been abandoned, shut down, divorced. He can heal you like he's healed us. Amen. I'm glad he heals everyone. And so in Matthew 28, the same authority he gives to his disciples, and I'm heading somewhere with this about you and me stepping up 
Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go. Say go. Therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations. He said, this is what you do. You baptize them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. As you dig into that phrase a little deeper, it means immerse them in the Father, immerse them in the Son, immerse them in the Holy Spirit. Immerse them in who the Father is. Baptize them fresh, that they have a spirit of adoption. Now they're in a family. Now they're united. They're one with God again. That wall that separated us has been broken down. Now we can have communion with the Father. Baptize them in the Son, that we have relationship with Jesus. We're family. He's our brother, our, our, our elder brother. We, we can be baptized in the Son. We can receive his forgiveness and everything he paid for at Calvary. We can receive the fullness of what he did. Baptize him in the Son. Do we understand we have an example to live by? We, we can say theology is good, but theology was wrapped up in a man, in, in, into Jesus Christ. And we can, we can fully understand theology because we can see and track the life of Jesus. And then be baptized in the Holy Spirit who bears that fruit in our life and love and peace and joy and patience. Baptized in the Holy Spirit who empowers us and strengthens us for service. Amen? And then he said, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. This is the background when we say step up. This is our heritage. The Lord told his disciples, step up, follow me. Step up, take this message. Step up into the Holy Spirit. Make a difference in people's lives and you and me are still fulfilling it. So here we are. Here, Acts chapter 2, the fire's poured out. Verse 3 says, There appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak or pray in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There is a flame for every head. There is an anointing. We shared it in Daybreak Chapel. When he manifests the Spirit, it wasn't a bonfire in the middle. It was a flame on every head. Because up until now, in the Old Testament, when the tabernacle moved and God manifested, it was smoke by day, fire by night. And the fire was contained in the temple, the tabernacle. Now God said, I want my fire out on every head and every heart. That includes you and me. Elbow your neighbor said, this includes you this morning. God's got a flame. Come on, tell him. God's got a flame for your heart. He's got a flame for your head. And so... What's Jesus doing now? This is 2,000 years ago. What's he doing? How many believe this? There's a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit right now coming into the church. It, you know, you don't hear about it on NBC and CNN and MSNBC and all the other lettered stations, ABC. You don't hear about it there. No, they're too busy arguing politics. God, God is on the move. And now it's time to pray for boldness. Now it's time to say, I, this outpouring is happening and it's going to happen through me. And God's going to use me and he's going to use you. This, this outpouring of the spirit that's coming, it, you, you see it breaking out? You sense it's breaking out? I feel like people are hungrier. You know, some have said it's going to be the best of times and worst of times. And sometimes I'm seeing that right now. People are going through tough stuff. But at the same time, God is showing up in an amazing way. And so it's the season we're in. Not only that, he's sending laborers to every harvest field because the time is ripe. Ashley Little was here a couple weeks ago with that burden for the gay community. God has a harvest in the gay community. God has a harvest in the homeless population. God has a harvest in the prisons, the jails. It's time he's calling his sons home. And this is the saints movement. It's not the big generals anymore. They're, they're going on to heaven. The Billy Grahams, the Oral Roberts, the, 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 the generals, those guys that were foundation fathers of our faith, 
They're moving on. Now it's time for you and me to take that mantle and be doers of God's word. Do you believe that, church? Let's do it. Come on. And, and California is on God's heart. It's on God's heart. There's movements now, prayer movements, just speaking and praying and prophesying into the destiny of California. Azusa Street outpouring happened in California. The, the Jesus People movement was in California. The Vineyard movement, the Calvary movement, the Foursquare movement came out of California. The EV Free movement got strengthened in California. Jack Hayford, Church on the Way, came out of California. We, we, we got a destiny, and we're not giving it to the devil. Amen? We're, we're going to see God use California in a powerful way because there's a flame on your head for those things. Amen? The hard ground has been plowed in prayer. It's time for harvest, time to reap. Things have been declared about stadium ministries coming back, and Lou Engle was sharing stories about different ones of his friends that are that just been moved on by God to reserve stadiums for what God wants to do. And I'm grateful for stadiums. I remember Promise Keepers. We filled stadiums in praise 20 years ago. But now it's just not about the stadium. It's about the individual act of faith that God wants you and me to operate in. Amen? And that's the importance of finding your mission and carrying out your mission and my mission. Are you with me this morning? Can you read this with me? Act. Action changes things. It's time to act. It's time to act. It's time to be doers, to exercise, step up into our faith, and let the Lord use us in, in powerful ways. Amen? Well, we have the, the privilege this morning of having a, a local partner with us that are they're called to act and called into action. And uh, as we were praying about this series of stepping up, we started talking about uh, bridge building and in, in starting to connect more our church family and our, our members with some of the other ministries in our community that can help make a difference. And so it's our privilege this morning. Randy Brown Pewitt was in our church. She'll share a little about her story for, for years, kind of got her, her foundation laid in our church. And now has been out on other adventures, and the Lord's raised her up as a director at Restorative Partners, and she'll tell us a little bit more about the history, and, and then you got some of your team here to, to share with us this morning, so I'm going to turn it over to you. Pastor Richard, can I have that microphone, please, and come on up, and uh, I'm not sure what order you want to do this, but can you guys, um, come on up, Brandy. Th this is, do you have any of your mission statement on your slides? So we do. Okay. We do. All right. Then flip so, over to her PowerPoint. Is that okay? Yes. Perfect. All right. Hello. All right. And um, I'm Brandy, and we are Restorative Partners. Um, I was blessed to call Agape my home for 10 years. And so coming back here has been wonderful because I get to see some of the people that really prayed for me and spoken to my life. And so it's, it's a blessing to be here. And um, uh, today I brought some of um, our people, just kind of share, I think there was a word earlier about intentional relation. Is that what it was? So I'm, we're going to share about what a little bit of intentional relation and some courage, um, the ripple effect of those things. And so Restorative Partners started about six years ago. Um, our executive director and founder is actually a nun, uh, Sister Teresa Harpin. And um, she just started going in, volunteering her time in our county jails in Juvenile Hall. Um, six years later, we run over 20 programs inside uh, our county jail in Juvenile Hall uh, with over 200 volunteers. Mm. We are called Restorative Partners because we have to partner with the community because we cannot do it alone. And so um, as we were making those connections inside, 
we realize that uh, our work doesn't stop at the gate. Um, that a lot of our returning citizens needed support once they got it back into the community, and so we started a mentorship program. Um, I think, or should I move this? Yeah. I guess I should move this. So um, let's see here. So uh, restorative justice. So restorative justice approach to crime um, asks who has been hurt, what are their needs, and whose duty it is to fulfill those needs. We learn through our work that really it's personal relationship that causes transformation. Hurt people hurt others. And so our work is to really help and restore individuals um, so that when they go back in the community, they have the support that they need. Um, as I said, our jail programs here, we have over 20 programs that we do inside county jail. Um, you're gonna hear some of our volunteers here kind of share how um, just a little bit of their time um, makes a real difference in others' lives. We do everything from yoga to computer classes to even a birthday club that we do inside Juvenile Hall. Um, and so I'm actually gonna start with Lindsay. Do we all know Lindsay here? <laughs> I'm sorry, Kelly, Kelly Lindsay. Lindsay. Yeah. Hey, Kelly. So, um, Kelly Lindsay is actually one of our volunteers inside Juvenile Hall. And so would you like to share? Sure. I was actually here and got a flyer about eight or nine months ago. Yeah. And I've been... Um, wanted to get involved uh, somehow with the jail and the juvenile hall. And so I went there and met with the folks, and there's uh, a couple of days of training, a couple of different uh, few-hour shifts, and it's, uh, it's real interesting. And it, uh, until, you, until you get involved, you really don't have, you know, it's, you really get an inside uh, view of what, what these folks are doing. It's a great program. So they have a list of a lot of stuff you can do. They have book club and um, macrame or underwater basket weaving. There's, there's, there's like 50 things. And I said, well, you know what I like to do is play ping pong. Is there? And they go, well, no, we don't have a ping pong program, but you're more than welcome to start it. So that's what I did was we got uh, five, four tables and all the uh, kids helped put them together. And on mm. Thursday nights, we go in there, we play ping pong and interact with them. And, mm. and my youngest son, Elijah, he's almost 18. He'll be able to, he's going to go through the uh, classes and be able to come in with me. And, awesome. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, I tell you, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's an amazing uh, thing that um, blessed me more than really has blessed them. Mm. And um, it's, uh, so I just, that's what I wanted to say. It was, uh, it's, a, it's a great thing. So if you have time and uh, mm. uh, calling, uh, please uh, step forward. All right. Any other ping pong players in here? <laughs> Come on, who can play ping pong for Jesus? Anybody in here? <laughs> there we go. All right. <laughs> it's as easy as... Baking cupcakes. We do a, a birthday program where once a month we do a birthday inside juvenile hall. We're always looking for individuals to bake cupcakes. We've had some youth who have never received a birthday card, and their first time receiving a birthday card was um, through one of our programs. Mm. Um, so we also operate uh, five uh, transitional houses. So we have our first two homes that we that we started operating are two sober living homes. We have a home for men and women in Los Osos. Um, then last year, we opened up a home called Anna's Home, and it's a home for women and their children. These are women who um, lost uh, custody of their children, and they've been reuni reunited with their child, and so it's a safe place for them to work on parenting skills, and it's a safe place uh, for the children to bond with their mothers. And then we uh, have created a pathway for housing for them and also employment. Uh, one of our newest projects... Um, are our parolee homes. So we have two parolee homes that we will be receiving parolees uh, very soon. 
So as of October, due to Proposition 57, we have 17 parolees coming back into our community with no uh, unique services to meet their needs. So Restorative Partners is stepping up. We have two homes. We're going to be providing housing and also programming for these men returning into our communities. Brandy, that's every month, right? 17 every month, yeah, yes. 17 every month. month. And so uh, the district attorney actually contacted us and just say, hey, this is happening. How can you step up and help us with this? And due to um, some uh, partners of ours who made some donations and uh, who are supporters of us, we were able to do this program. So... Um, this is a quote from Father Greg Boyle. He's the founder of Homeboy Industries in Los Angeles. And really, this quote kind of uh, means something to me. So my job isn't to fix or rescue or save. It's to accompany, see people, listen to them. That's how easy it is. And so I have Jeff here, Jeff Baker, who's going to kind of speak about our mentorship program. So this is a program where we match um, people returning back into our uh, community with um, community members where they can kind of connect and accompany them through their journey back into the community. So Jeff, would you like to speak on that? Um, I have a couple of sayings that I, that I, I wrote on my Bible because they are really important. It says, winners of souls must first be weepers of souls. Hmm. And Mike, I, I love how the spirit of the Lord works. I was just sharing with my brother here the exact same verse, mm. the Great Commission, mm. outside. Mm. Um, the way that I got involved with Restorative Partners is by something else that I wrote on my Bible, which is prayer is not preparation for the work. It is the work. Mm. Pray, people. Yeah. The harvest is extremely plentiful. And God does want to use us. Mm. That's why he saved us, Amen. is to use us. Yeah. A group of men, we were praying just about, God, what do you want to do with us? We're here to surrender to you. And for three months, we were praying and fasting. And he said, juvenile hall. And we're going, we don't know anybody in juvenile hall. Mm. And lo and behold, I get this call from Sister Teresa. And she says, I hear there's a group of men there who may want to go into juvenile hall. And she said, why? And I said, well, can I be frank and honest with you? And she said, yes. And I said, because God's commanding us to do it. Hmm. And that's why. And I said, out of obedience and love to him. I'm driving down the road going out to juvenile hall getting to get fingerprinted. And there's a group of men standing outside the honor farm. Lo and behold, I didn't know he was one of them, but I do believe he was one of them. Hmm. And the Lord shared, I'm going to have a Bible study out here. And hmm. You're going to be teaching it. Hmm. And I would love to say that I went home, prayed, fasted, and did everything. No. I ran as far as you could go. <laughs> I said, Lord, I got juvenile hall coming up, and those kids are enough. Hmm. Well, unbeknownst to me, this man... For a couple of years, I've been praying, Lord, send somebody in here to do a Bible study. Mm, amen. God is going to fulfill what God is going to fulfill <laughs> because he's God. Yeah. And so Sister Teresa again calls me and says, 
hey, Jeff, we know you like to mentor guys. Um, we got our, she called him the top of the class guy here. <laughs> and uh, we think you would be a great fit for him. Hmm. Would you consider doing it? So I prayed and prayed and the Lord said yes. I said, darn. <laughs> but, you know, it's about investing in someone's life. Because when the Lord said, in the Great Commission, he said, go and make disciples. A disciple is a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ. Nothing against this guy personally, but discipline he had absolutely none of. <laughs> hmm. I wasn't the greatest at it, but with the Lord's strength, because the Lord said, if I know how to give good gifts to my children, how yeah. much more will I give the Holy Spirit it, to them that ask? Amen. And I said, Lord, if this is what you're calling to me to do, you best fill me with your Holy Spirit, <laughs> because I can't. <laughs> But if this is what you're calling to do, then I'll go. Because greater is he that is in me than is in the world. Yeah. And the world has taken everybody out as fast as he can do it. Mm -hmm. You know what their defense is? Jesus Christ. Mm. Us. Amen. And he wants to use us. Think about that. That's good. He wants to use us. And so with the mentoring program, it's just strictly coming alongside somebody, loving them unconditionally, even when they do run away from you, <laughs> because God's going to fulfill this purpose, Amen. and God's going to bring them back, and God's going to answer prayers, and he's going to share a story with you right now about somebody from your own congregation that is involved in this whole story. Hmm. Wow, how did I top that? <laughs> um, you know what's funny is like I, I thought I'd be a lot more nervous, but I'm really I'm not. Praise God. Because uh, well, once ask God, you know, the Holy Spirit to empower me, and two, because I really truly believe in what I'm going to talk about. Um, Officer Torres, where are you? <laughs> I was so happy to see you when I walked in. I just want you to know, Officer Torres, that the prayers were answered. Me and Rachel are married now, and on the fourth, she's got a year clean. And my life has been truly blessed in the last year, more than I could ever think or imagine. You know, that reminds me of a verse that he shared with me, and I got it memorized. And it says, to him who could do exceedingly abundantly more than anything we could ever think or imagine to Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And, uh, man, within this, just in a year, man, I can't believe how much my life has been blessed. I mean, I got a home. I got a car. My car is registered. I pay my bills. I got a, I'm a baker at California Fresh Market. I'm good. <laughs> You know? That's good. I'm good. I never thought I'd be a baker a day in my life. And if you guys want to taste of heaven, come to California Fresh. Because I pray every day to bless these hands, and I guarantee you that heaven's in that bread. Because God has have? done it for which, me. Which California Fresh? Here in town? Slow? Five Cities Drive. Okay. Um, we're, we're there. <laughs> you know, I'm going to tell you a small story real quick. On Mother's Day, um, see, I usually go to Calvary Chapel with him. But uh, my boss, Terry Kimmel, and my friend Tony works across the table for me. They wanted me to go to, to Oak Park Christian Center. So on Mother's Day, you know, we weren't working that day. I decided to go over there. And, um, you know, I went there, but, you know, of course, to make them happy, you know, 
to, you know, to show up for once. And, uh, but it turned out to be something more. I feel it in my heart because uh, I'm sitting there and this lady, she's, uh, who's playing the piano, you know, she gets up and says that, you know, talks about Mother's Day and how sometimes it's tough, you know, because she has two daughters that have fallen away and she, um, you know, she was praying for them and that they would come back. And it touched me and it brought a tear to my eyes. So after the service, I walked up on the stage and I said to her, I was like, hey, you know, I just want you to know that I am a mother's answer prayer. Mm. My mom loves God. Amen. You know, and that not to worry because God will answer that prayer. Amen. I'm a living testimony. Amen. Um, hmm. You know, I try, when I think about restorative partners, you know, the word that comes to my mind is love. I mean, I've known Sister Teresa Harpin now for almost five years. I remember in 2012 when her, first, her program first came, the very first thing she had was church. You know, and she's Catholic, and I'm, I'm Christian, and, you know, there's that little bit of diversity there. But I remember, I think it was, I think it's Timothy. I can't remember where Paul's talking, and he says that, you know, um, as long as they're preaching Jesus, mm. you know, it's okay. Mm. So I, I look past, you know, I don't know, what's the word I'm trying to think The denominational of? tags. Yeah, I, I look past that, you know, and I attended her service, and she had it on a Saturday night during football season, and there was only like two or three of us that were there. <laughs> but, you know, I'd show up every day, and um, hmm. then she moved to Sundays, and it grew enormously. <laughs> it's amazing. Do it before, I, I told her, do it on Sundays before 10 o'clock. Yeah, before when the... football starts, <laughs> I guarantee your congregation will grow, and it did. <laughs> um, but... Uh, she never gave up on me. Hmm. You know, I mean, I'm like, I've, I've done seven prison terms and two county terms. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I used, to, I used to believe that lie that uh, this is who I'm always going to be and I'm never going to be anything else. Hmm. And, uh, God, it reminds me of that song, man. Uh, Well, about the 99. Yeah, um, yeah Reckless Love of God, you know? <laughs> Man, that's, that song, every time I hear it, it really speaks to my heart. Just the words, you know what I mean? Because he brought me through it all. Um, Sister Teresa, I mean, all the volunteers. They, I mean, can you imagine this? I mean, they brought God into jail. Hmm. In a big way, like running bow-legged with the jail. They, they <laughs> offer so much for, for, for people like me. Hmm. You know? I mean, I am not that person that I was. I mean, I do no longer believe that lie. Amen. And I will never believe that lie. Amen. Um, Amen. Yeah. Hmm. On the 15th, I got a year clean and sober. Praise God. And... Uh, You have no idea how much of an accomplishment it is for me, and I'm so proud of it. And uh, I graduated AB 109, so I'm no longer, you know, I, I completed something. Mm. You don't know how big it is just to complete something. I'm going to complete, finish my probation, and I'm going to do all this. Amen. You know, within this year, my wife got saved. Mm. And, uh, man, I don't think I ever cried more in my life except when my son was born. Mm. Um, it was amazing. Um, there's this program at uh, Restorative Partners called uh, AVP, Alternative, Alternative, yeah, yeah, Alternative Violence Project. 
And um, it's such an amazing class. It's like, you know, you come in or it's got basic, advanced, and then T for F, which is training for a facilitator, to where you get involved and become a facilitator, you know, a volunteer. You step up and you help your peers. And, uh, man, it touches you to the core. I mean, I mean, I never thought that I would cry in front of a bunch of fellow, fellow peers, inmates, but you can't help it. You know, especially when you get to, to advance because you get to, you pick what the topic's going to be about, you know, and um, it's just pretty amazing. They've got this one thing called teddy bear hugs. Hmm. Oh, it's like, they get this teddy bear, you get to pass it around and you get to talk about, you know, hold it and be like, you know, if, for your mom or your girlfriend, whatever, you know. I tell you, man, when the first time they did that, there was not one dry eye around that circle. Hmm. Everybody hugged that tear and everybody had someone they wanted to, they wished they could hug and couldn't. Mm. Um, I don't know. I just know that uh, this man right here, Jeff Baker, he's been my mentor now for going on pretty close to two years. Wow. And uh, not only is he my mentor, he's like my best friend. I mean, I learned with this guy that uh, to trust again. Mm. I think that's the biggest thing, and you know that uh, to use my phone. To, it didn't matter what my, what I was going through, what problems I have, just give him a call. You know, and he'd always give me the best advice possible. Um, the mentorship program is just, it's absolutely amazing. I mean, I had a relapse, you know, a year ago, May 15th. And uh, I got like, when I went to jail, I was broken. You know, it's, for a long time, it'd be like, I'd get in the back of the car, and I'd just put my hands back, here we go again. Really no emotion. But this last time, it was like, I actually felt sorry for myself. You know, and I cried for me for once in my life because I did such a great program and then I let myself down on the honor farm. And then to come back and humble myself and see those people again that really were my support, you know, that was a big change in my life, you know, because, I mean, that was a very, very, very humbling experience. Sure. But one of the first people I see is Teresa Harpin. Mm. I mean, that woman is the embodiment of love. All the, all the volunteers, just embodiments of love. They give up so much of their time, and I'm so grateful for them on a daily. Um, back to Jeff, though. He truly is one of my best friends. I mean, I go with him almost every weekend, and we go work. Like, when we leave here, we're going to work. Because hmm. I could use the extra income. Plus, God provides. Hmm. You know? Um, Officer Torres, when this is over, I want to give you a hug, and I want to tell you how much God has provided in the last year. Awesome. This man, I mean, he showed me a video of him while I was on the honor farm of him in worship. And then to come in here and get to see it firsthand was pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, he used to pray for me. I used to come up, hey, Torres, can you say a prayer for me? And he'd, yeah, and he'd go in his office and he'd pray for me. Hmm. You know, I don't know if we were allowed, but. Yeah. He made it happen, and that's why I'm like saying, I mean, Rachel, we're married now. Hmm. We're doing great. That's awesome. You know, but I, I just think that, you know, to give your time to restore to partners is to give your heart. I mean, it's, so, it's such a worthwhile experience. You're giving back to people whose lives are without hope, you know, and you're putting that spark of hope back in their lives. I'm a perfect example. I love that program. That's why I'm here today. I mean, I'm here, you know, for Sister Teresa. You know, I'm here for, I'm here to honor God. Amen. 
first and foremost to anything. Because if, if, if he wasn't leading my life, I definitely wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I can't think of much more to say. I just know that um, God is love. And that's Amen. about it. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Awesome. 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 So, and I also just wanted to thank you, Jeff, as well, because you, you know, stayed by Steve's side. Even when he went back to jail, you were there and walked that walk. And a year later, um, you're clean and your wife is clean. And you have a son. And so I just want to congratulate you that, for Amen. that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you are interested um, in learning more about our mentorship program and how you can get involved with us, um, please come see me or Marie here will be um, in the entryway here and we have information about how you can get involved. Um, if you're interested, we will find a place for you. Don't worry about that. We will definitely find a place for you. And I think Steve really speaks to the need. There's a need in there. There's people open and wanting something. You know, they, they want more than, than where they're at. And so, um, again, if come see us and we'll find a place for you. So thank you. All and right. can I just say we have Sister Teresa Harpin in the house. Wow. Come on up here, please. Sister <laughs> Teresa, could you come on up? How are you? Bless you. Just came from jail, huh? <laughs> Imagine that. They let you out. <laughs> well, what a pleasure and privilege to be among you. I just came from county jail. Uh, we had our church service there this morning, and then we had our garden project, and we're growing a beautiful restorative garden out there, and very exciting when I see carrots and onions and in the men's hands in the dirt and turning it over. And it's such a symbol of the work that we do, you know? Mm. And the work that we do is this is the outcome, okay? Mm. Now, God's not finished with Steve. I yeah. know that. <laughs> the thing is, the sky is the limit with this man. I've known him for six years, okay? Mm. And I've watched him grow and be stretched and challenged. And I've seen him relapse and I've seen him resurrect and... And now I just see, oh, my gosh, Steve. <laughs> I can only imagine what God has in store for you. <laughs> really. It's good. In store for you. Good. We get to witness this all the time. And I think Brandy probably told you, it's, besides our in-custody work, we have our recovery homes. And we run three so far, and we're opening two more for parolees in the next two weeks will be the only stop-funded state parolee wraparound service outpatient treatment from Ventura to Santa Cruz. Wow. Okay? Wow. And we took that step because men like Steve said to us, it's great inside, sister. We love you. But when we get out, that's where the rubber meets the road. Mm. And we need more help. So, you know, we heard that cry and we said, we got to do it. Nobody else will do it. Nobody else is doing it. So mm. we got to do it. Mm. And so the providence of God, um, our DA came to me a week, a year, um, last fall and said, okay, you've done county. I need you to do state prison now. Are you, mm. are you willing? I said, you find the resources to help me and I am there. I am so there. Okay. Mm. And God showed up again through the generosity of many people and now we're going to be having this um, Lion Heart Place is what we're calling it. Wow. Lion Heart Place. L-Y-O-N capital H-E-A-R-T. 
And just to let you know that I know it's always a matter of the heart where God works. Mm. It's always a matter of the heart that moves us into places that he wants us to go. And I'm spelling it L-Y-O-N because I'm a sister of St. Joseph. We come from Lyon, France. Mm. That's where we were sent in 1836 to this country. And Lyon means lion, and I love the expression of lion-heartedness, courage to change your life, courage to come back into the community, courage to believe God loves you unconditionally and transforms your life and can move you through anything. Amen. That's lion-heartedness. So it's Lionheart Place, and we have Francis House, a six-bedroom house, two-bath, and we have Joseph House, two-bedroom, two-bath, and in a couple of weeks here, we're going to have it all full of people coming out of. They're already here. They're in the creeks. Hmm. They're in the streets. They're coming into our offices every day with no place to go and no services for them. Well, we're standing together with open arms to welcome them as returning citizens and to help them do what the hard work is that Steve has done. So we need your help, your resources, your time, your treasure to continue this good work. And I thank and praise God for your generosity and your willingness to partner with us. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Sister Teresa. Thank you so much. Bless you for what you're doing. Bless you for what you're doing. Brandy? Hey, Brandy? Yeah, come on. Let's give it up for someone in our community that's got the heart of the Lord for people. Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you. Thanks, Kelly. Hey, Brandy, come up here for a sec. So you have that number board out there. Be seated just for one more minute. We're, we're just about done. You have the number board out there. So, Tell us what this is so about. So we have a board out there. It's called 300 Opportunities to Heal and Transform. And so there are envelopes on that board numbered 1 through 300. So you, if you'd like to give, you choose an envelope, and the number on the envelope is the amount that you give. If we fill all the envelopes, how much do you think we would raise? If we filled all 300 envelopes, $45,000. So a lot of the work that we do, we're nonprofit. And for us to do what we want to do, most of our uh, income comes from uh, donations from the churches and from uh, private donations. And that allows us to do the work that we want to do. So if you want to give, we'll be out there. And we, we appreciate whatever you can give. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And then the little Y card in there. So attached. So Sorry. in the envelope, there is a Y card. So you can, if you want to, you can fill out this card. And this is why. Why are you giving? It could be maybe a loved one that's um, has suffering an addiction. Maybe it's a loved one who's incarcerated. Or maybe you have your own personal story. So we're just asking why. Why are you giving? And then we're going to post these as well. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Proud of you and what, uh, what you've been doing. That's exciting stuff. If you want to give, they have their envelopes, restorative partner envelopes. You can give directly to them or to Agape, and we'll put that all together. And you know, little things matter. Little things add up. And so um, when, when we just do our share, do we do our part. A little at a time, I know there's been special projects because we're in this season of stepping up. And so I thank you for stepping up that way. And uh, let's pray, and then the ushers will wait on us. Father, I thank you again for just your presence and for changed lives and our changed lives, and then an invitation to partnership with you and changing other people's lives. That's, that's how you've done it, God. 
And I thank you for restorative partners and, and what they're doing and for uh, the heart of Sister Teresa. It's your heart, Lord, you placed in her. And I've heard about her for years and the fruit that she's bearing and the help she's been giving. And now there's a team being raised up around her. And Lord, I thank you for our partnership, our part of just saying yes and amen. And also people with gifts in our church stepping up to volunteer. I thank you for showing us, revealing those things to us where we can help and how collectively we can make a difference in uh, new beginnings for people in Jesus' name. Amen.